all you gardening cats and gators, welcome to Gardening with Cisco. It's March 28th, and uh, hey, you might want to grab a pencil and paper, because we're going to be doing a lot of talking about clematis today, which is one of my all-time favorite plants. So I'm sure you're going to hear the name of some that you're going to want to go out and hunt for. So uh, hold on. All right, I'm going to introduce my guests in one minute. Before I do, I just want to make a couple of quick announcements. I definitely have no audiences to say hi to that I spoke to last week. But I have been doing a few things, but I want to let you know uh, most of the nurseries are open. I think I might have mentioned that last week. Some aren't. So what you want to do, you want to call before you go, and a lot of them are on limited time periods now, but uh, they're taking all the precautions, and you can go and shop. And I know for me, you know, I don't want to just call and say, hey, I want one of these, one of those. I got to see the plants, get the feel of them, you know. All right. Hey, uh, just so you know what I'm up to, I there there's a new video on Sasquatch on their website, which I should stick that on the front of my uh I should there's a there is a link to my uh to my book but maybe not straight to Sasquatch I'm not sure but anyway they put a video on I'm going to make a few more for them so they should be kind of fun to watch and I just made a video for the King County Library System today because as I uh I very much bragged about. I got picked as a literary lion by the King County uh, Library System for my new book, Oh La La, which I'm very proud of. But I didn't get to go to a really fancy deal because of all these problems. So uh, anyway, they need help right now. So they said, hey, if you wouldn't mind doing a video, we'll put it up on a video site and everything. So I just made one. Mary's trying to put the thing together so she could send it in. So that one was really fun. So you're going to have to check that on the King County uh, Library System site. Okay. All right. So now I get to introduce my guest. Her name's Laura Watson. So uh, there's... uh, Now, how long have we known each other? Do you know? Well, when I first came to Boston in 2004, I saw you on uh, television. Ah, how about that? And I asked my daughter, who is that guy? <laughs> but I started watching him more and more, and pro- I realized you knew what you were talking about. <laughs> you probably said, who is that nut? <laughs> <laughs> well, and I know you've been big in plan amnesty for many, many years. That's right. And, uh, That's right. I worked with Cass. Yeah, I worked with Cass. And a self-confessed... Clemaniac. That's right. <laughs> uh, how many uh, clematises do you have right now? Well, uh, the other day I, I went out with my clipboard and my seven-page Excel spreadsheet and checked on everybody, and it looks like I might have about 183. 183 but some of them might not one garden. But some of them may not sprout i'm not sure yet. uh because you get all you get a lot of the rare ones we don't even know if they're hardy you know that's hard sometimes well, it's also hard to take it. care of that many clematis oh yeah that's a point isn't it <laughs> oh my gosh no wonder you've been out I was, I was, six I was, hours a day i was better off with just a hundred <laughs> <laughs> uh, i believe it hey by the way i want to let you know i got a link to her clematis blog which is really good. I've read Thank it you. over the Thank years you. a few times. So uh, I was reading it this morning. There's a lot of good stuff in there. 
Yeah, so, I've, I've been writing it for a while. I don't post as often as I used to, but there is a lot of good information there. There's a lot of good. And you've written some great articles for Plan Amnesty over the years, That's too. That's true. That's I remember true. reading those always in my newsletter. So uh, so uh, there is uh, a link right to her Clematis blog right on the front page of Cisco.com. So uh, you can go to that, and it's uh, full of really valuable information but in uh, lieu of that, oh, we've always got already got a caller. Jay, I'll go to you uh, right after the break, okay, buddy? All right. So uh, uh, first I want to ask you, is it true that you should plant clematis deeper than it comes out of the pot? That, for a while that was a big deal, and I, I never understood why you would do that. Well, there are a few, there are a few reasons that people used to recommend that. One is uh, there's a there's a... Sadly, a disease called clematis wilt. Oh, that is... I hate that thing! Yeah, really. Uh, and and it was thought that if they buried the crown and something happened to the top, that it would re-sprout from the crown under the soil level. But it always re-sprouts anyway, right? Or, well, uh, well, we've, disco- uh, we've discovered that they usually do just as well planted at or just below so- okay. soil level. And the problem with burying them is that some of them, certain ones will die if you bury them. Oh. And for a beginner to figure out which is which is very difficult. So it's tricky. simpler to just say, plant them at or just below soil level. The, but, the, but the ones that can take it, the burying, they'll also grow a better root system because uh, they'll, like a tomato, grow roots along are the there, buried stem. Are there any really well-known ones that you could recommend to plant deeper? Or should someone go to your blog and... Well, most of the large flowered May June bloomers can be uh, buried. Oh, okay. Um, but I, I don't bury I don't uh, bury any of them anymore you know, myself. I never do anymore. I did it when they recommended, and I think I had a couple not come back, and I'm like, well, what the heck, you know? <laughs> so, heck with that one. All right, listen, we're going to take a break. We're going to okay. talk lots of clematis, unless we get a million phone calls. Which well, you that's may, good, too. You're such a great gardener. You could just kick in on everything with me, <laughs> sir. No problem. All right. So, hey, if you want to give us a call, and it doesn't have to be clematis. It could be anything, veggies, anything. one 973 Cairo. one 973 5476 Jay, you'll be the first one up when we come back on 97.3 Cairo FM. This is Gardening with Cisco on the all-new Cairo Radio Weekends. Yeah, and my guest is Laura Watson here today, and uh, she is the clematis woman. Right now, we're going to go to Napa, Napa, Idaho to talk to Jay. Hey, Jay, you're called from a long way away. (laughs) No, I'm right here, but thanks for taking my call. You bet. Hey, I'm sure going to miss having you on your live show. Been tuning in a long time uh, on oh. the web, but uh, thanks for all your great work. But you're going to be missed. Hey, thanks. Yeah, that's right. I appreciate that. Thanks. I've got a question for you. Uh, I've had a Japanese maple uh, kind of up by our front entry, and it's been there for a number of years and done well. But I've noticed the last two winters that it never seemed to ever like really shed all of its leaves, and I don't know if that's a sign of a problem or if that's normal or if there's anything I should do about it maybe next fall. Well, uh, and jump in on this, but what I have found, see, there's different things that make trees not shed their leaves. 
some, like witch hazel, don't do it till they get mature. So when they're youngsters, they keep all those ugly brown leaves all over. You can't even see the flowers on them in the middle of winter. drives me crazy. Oh, that's true. Mine used to do that, and it doesn't anymore. That's right. They get mature, they stop. <laughs> but I think with Japanese maples, is it more what you're seeing, Jay, is they're just piled up in there, or are they actually staying right on the tree and not dropping off? Yeah, they're staying right on the tree, and they just kind of shrivel up, and, um, you know, they're obviously not living anymore, but I don't know if it's okay to just strip them off or if I yeah. can let them be. You can strip them off if you want, because uh, what mine do it too, and I don't know exactly why, but mine are really thick, and I think so. Even when they finally fall off, they get stuck in there, and they don't fall down onto the ground oh, yeah. below, and I'm always... Right. So one thing that can help is to thin them out a little bit. Okay. So I go in there and I cut about a third. Now, I some of my Japanese maples are the lace leaf type, and I don't want them to get big because, like, right. uh, red, uh, red lion is one of the slowest-growing ones there is. And But even that, it would be 15 feet tall now. It's been in front of my house so long. But I've kept it at three and a half feet now for about, uh, I don't know, about 30 years or something. Wow. And uh, okay. so every winter, I'm going to do it now because I, had, I didn't get around to it this winter. But uh, any branches that are going up in a way I don't want, I don't want it to get tall. I cut those back to the main branch. They come off. And then I thin them out carefully. You don't want to overdo this. You let too much sun come in. Bark that hasn't seen sun for years can burn, you know. And uh, so you thin them out. And when you're done, it it looks so great because yeah. you could look right through the the leaves to see that beautiful character of the branching yes. pattern. It's really neat. So that'll help. But I think... Uh, you can you can strip those off pretty much any time you want. I think it's temp. I don't know if it's weather that makes them stick on there some years worse than I'm others. I'm not sure. And everybody will figure it out. But uh, you could strip them off. But oh my God, it takes forever. It's horrible. You can you can use little <laughs> tiny scissors. To oh, that's do it. an idea. Yeah. Oh, boy. I get these not kind too... for clematis that have long. They're small, but they have long pointy blades. And you can do it with one hand. Oh, well, okay. you're, there's a Zen experience for you there, uh, Jay. <laughs> so it's not too late this spring to even trim back now. No, I, well, I'm pruning mine back now. I think some experts would tell you you got to be nuts to do it right now because the buds are swallowing. It's not, my tree isn't bleeding at all why I'm doing it. And uh, I think doing it right now actually could be a good time. So okay. I wouldn't hesitate. All right. All right. Well, thanks again, Cisco. You've been uh, just a good friend on the radio and on TV, and stay well, friends. Hey, thank you so much, Jay. I so appreciate that. Thank you. Okay. Right. Well, let's see. we got some time, so let's go ahead and go to Kent talk to Ann. Hey, Ann, how are you? Hey, Cisco. Hello to both of you today. This Hi. is Ann that has the large, oversized, lace-leaf Japanese maple on the front part of my driveway. If that rings a bell, that was huge. I, I ended up having two 
um, arborist tree specialist come, and they both said, uh, don't take it down yet. Let's thin it out. Hey, good for them. That's yeah. the way to do yeah. it. Because it's such a gorgeous tree. And in this time, as as it progresses to get the leaves and the color, I, I would hate to take it down. Oh, you'd miss it. So anyhow, why, why do you have to take um, it down? I think I missed that. It was too big, I think. Just too big? It was huge. And one limb we did take down because it probably would have crushed my car. That's probably a good reason. That could be a problem. (laughs) Yeah, that would have been a huge problem. That would be, especially if you were in the car, that would even be worse. Worse, yeah, way worse. But so, um, so it's for now. It's still there. Oh, good. And, you know, uh, you can take off a pretty good-sized branch if you don't take too much. I, one time yeah, I uh, that... I pruned a big, I think it was a Japanese maple at Seattle University where I used to direct the grounds care. I pruned off this huge limb because it was way into the road and it yeah. got heavier and it was. And uh, then a truck hit the tree. It took off about four other big major branches and I pruned yeah. them. Yeah. That tree died so fast it oh, went into wow. shock. Yeah. So, I, th- yeah. I, I believe if you take lower branches off, though, it, it's not as hard on the tree as if you take higher branches out. I bet that's true. Yes, I I think that's what uh, the arborist did when I hired the one that I did hire. Because yeah. it looks nice where ice ice and snow, if it, it goes through, instead of staying on the branches. Mm-hmm. Oh, great. Good. Good. So, well, I'm so happy you're keeping that tree. Me too. Yeah. Yeah. So a couple of quick questions. Sure. Um, I still haven't pruned my apple trees. I have three in the front and two in the back. And the handyman that usually helps me isn't available because of the um, stay at home. Does it really matter when I finish pruning? Well, you you don't want to be pruning. Well, of course, uh, you're going to interfere with the fruit, you know. Right. Uh-huh. So that could be a big problem. So I think at this stage, uh, if you could do, are, is it already covered with flowers? Or buds? No. Or, actually, no buds actually yet. Actually not. Okay. I'd not get yet. out there and do that tomorrow. I'd get out there okay. and get that baby pruned. I think you'll be fine then. Or you could wait till okay. late summer and prune it then. That's true. You can wait till summer, you know. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, it's kind of nice to get all those sprouts off. I'd at least get the sprouts off so the sun can get in there and reach the fruit and everything. Yes. Yes. Okay. Okay. And then the last question is, is it probably time to completely dig up eight roses that are failing and that are uh, black spotted anyhow in in my front area in kind of a moat area I call it raised bed and the grass has taken over Ugh. every inch it sounds horrible of, of, get rid of those suckers yeah really okay. I'd rip about throw them out throw them in the yard waste that's right they could okay. th- pull them out uh, kicking and screaming and if you know there are new roses out there now that, that are so it. much yeah. better. Yes. Get the book. Well, uh, I'm thinking. Oh. I, I'm actually thinking of 
like a perennial garden. Oh, yeah. Well, that'd yeah, be yeah, nice. With some so clematis. No black spot there. About. Yeah, clematis would be good. Yeah. No, okay. I think that would be a smart way to go. Go with perennials. It's so fun. Yeah. Okay. And so many choices. And then yeah. you, you can yeah. always and throw then, one rose in there if you want one uh, one of the really good ones, like South Africa or something that doesn't get disease. Fragrances can be okay. really And then cool. you can plant a clematis to that. climb on it. Yeah, that's right. Okay, I'm writing that down. Okay, cool. <laughs> All right. Well, All right. Well, I support I support my East Hill Nursery. Hey, and, good uh, for you, Ed. I think that is wonderful. Hey, we'll keep gardening out, out there, okay? All right. Thank you so much, Cisco. Okay. Bye-bye, Ann. Bye, Ann. All right. Hey, we're going to go to the news right away, and then we will be back. And, Diana, we'll stick you on the air on 97.3 Cairo FM. This is Gardening with Cisco on the all-new Cairo Radio Weekends, brought to you by PacificTopsoil.com and Moldax in Woodenville. Ooh la la. Here's Cisco. Ooh la la, and we're back, and uh, Laura Watson's here with me, the uh, expert when it comes to clematis. We're about to go to Diana, but I wanted to ask you a question. You were telling me about a fantastic website. That oh people yes. Can use. Yes, it's called uh, Clematis on the Web. You can just Google that, and it has a database of three to four thousand clematis. And uh, you can, if you're interested in knowing more about a particular clematis, you can look it up there. You can see a picture of it. You can know how long the vines get. You can know what time of year it's likely to bloom. Uh, all kinds of fabulous information. You can find out who its parents were if that interests you. <laughs> Clematis on the web. Clematis on all the right. web. Okay, all right, hang on, because we're going to Diana right now over in Whidbey Island. Hey, Diana, thanks so much for calling. Oh, it's great to talk with you, Cisco. I've called you before about ballworms and my walnut tree. Oh, yeah. And, and a wine sap that was damaged, but it's still doing, the wine sap's doing great. Oh, good. Okay, but here's what it is. Uh, Laura, I have yes. a question about the clematis. Uh-huh. I have an old iron wagon wheel, and it sits up against the shop, and it gets dappled shade in the summertime. Uh-huh. Is there one that would work in that area? Uh, so you want it to climb on the wagon wheel? Yes. Uh-huh. How, how big are the spots? Folks, or whatever it is on the wagon wheel. Oh, they're about, um, I would say they're like eight inches apart. But how, how big is the actual spoke? The reason I'm asking is that Clematis needs something no bigger than your baby finger to hang on to. Oh, to hang on to? Yeah. Well, that might be just about like that. Oh, okay, perfect. So uh, and it's dappled is- shade? Yes. Does it ever get direct sun? In the morning. Uh-huh. Uh, sort of a general rule of thumb, a rule of thumb for clematis uh, and sun and shade is that if a clematis is a pastel color like uh, cream okay. or uh, light blue or mauve or pink, it, ca- okay. it can take some shade, especially from our ha- hot afternoon sun. If it's okay, a strong so color like pure white, red, uh, dark blue, purple, 
they generally want full, you know, six hours or more of sun. So some of the pastel shades would definitely work for you. Okay, so the pastels are the ones. All right, that's what I was looking for. Good. Well, (laughs) that's great. So, hey, uh, when you get one, you got to call in and tell me which one you got. You can also look on on the website of the International Clematis Society. You can just Google that. To do that. Oh, okay. But in, they have lists of uh, clematis for shade, clematis for beginners. Oh, okay. I that like, sounds wonderful. I like the clematis that bloom all summer long. I, I just that think they're the nice. coolest ones, you know. To, Which ones are those? Oh, the ones that <laughs> start blooming in maybe June or uh, May, and then they just keep like the Viticellas. Jack well, Miney Eye. Yeah, but they don't start blooming in May. Well, mine sometimes do. <laughs> I might be exaggerating a little, but June a lot of times. Yeah, yeah, sometimes in June they do. Yeah, I like those two. Those are the easiest ones to prune, too. That's true. Uh, they they bloom on uh, new wood, so you can cut them all, all the way back. Right. Yeah. Pardon me? Okay. All right. Hello. Thank you. Diana, thank you, thank you so thank much. You. Thanks, Diana. All righty. You have a good one. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. All right. Well, now I get a chance to ask you a couple of questions, Laura. So uh, talking about pruning, you know, it's pretty easy. The ones that bloom as they grow during summer, and those are the only ones I'll like plant growing up a rose or something because you can just chop them to the ground in the winter, you know. But the ones that bloom uh, twice a year, or even the ones that only bloom in spring, uh, like Molly, Molly, what's his name, Molly Mosier or whatever it is, Nelly Mosier. Nelly Mosier. Those I find those to be a little trickier to know how to yeah. prune them. Yeah, no, I I can explain that. Hopefully, I can explain it quickly. That uh, for the guidelines I'm going to mention are just guidelines. The acclimatus doesn't care when you prune it. And the purpose of the guidelines is to help you maximize your blooms, if that's what you want to do, or control the plant. Uh, the, the early spring blooming ones, they're usually small flowers, and they are, but are large plants like the Clematis montana and the Clematis armandii. Uh, they don't need an annual prune, uh, and they bloom on old wood. So if you did prune them, you would be cutting off flowers. And the same thing is true of the large May-June bloomers like Nellie Moser. They're blooming on old wood. So uh, if you cut them back very much, you're cutting flowers off. So what you have to do with those, it's what I call fiddly pruning. You have to start at the end of each vine. If you try to cut it down low, everything looks dead down there. Oh, yeah. And you could wheel out one of the branches and find most, most of your uh, new growth is on that branch. So you work from the outside in, and you go from the outside of a vine, and you may see a node with a puny bud, a couple of nodes with nothing, another node with a puny bud, and then you'll find a juicy green bud right at this time of year. And you want to cut it back to that 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 big juicy bud because... The juices of the vine are obviously getting to that bud very easily, but it's getting shaky beyond it. So cut off shaky. You don't need that. Just cut it off. Let the energy of the plant go to where it can. the juices are running up and down well. And then you have to do that to each vine. And then that gives you an opportunity to tie the vine in or to uh, twiddle the vine into where you want it to grow. 
And, of course, you would always cut out dead, damaged, diseased, or deranged. And deranged is a vine that just goes off in the wrong direction. I feel deranged after I try and do that pruning. (laughs) Well, when I prune one of these, it can take me two or three hours to do it. It's a lot of work. So it is fiddly pruning. Uh, But... So that's why if that bothers you, if you don't want to do that kind of pruning, you buy the ones that bloom from late June through the rest of the summer because they bloom on new wood. And in Seattle, we can cut them back to one to three feet anytime between November and spring. I love that because you don't have all that dead stuff up there yeah. on your trellis and everything. Yeah. Uh, what about the ones that bloom spring and then bloom fall? Do you prune that? Sort of the same diddly way. You, you like have that. to. You initially prune it the same fiddly way, and then after it has its first that big flush of bloom, you can cut it back a third to a half, and it and it depend it depending on the plant and the um, the weather, it may have time for the rest of the spring and summer to throw new vines, set new flowers, some of which will actually bloom in the fall. So it's a little tricky. You're never sure you're going to get those. No. I got it. Cool as can be. So, uh, hey, what are some of your favorite uh, clematis? Well, most people who know me know my favorite clematis is the one I'm looking at. (laughs) But if I'm not looking at a clematis, some of my favorites are Betty Corning. What's that look like? It's a dangling moth bell. It's got a long uh, uh, stem on the flower, so it, it... it dangles out away from the foliage, and the the beauty of that particular clematis is that it is fragrant in the summer, and that's rare. It's oh. a lovely light fragrance that wafts around the yard, oh, and it's nice. very uh, vigorous and floriferous. I really that's, like it. That one is called? Betty Corning. Betty Corning. Right. Betty Corning was the wife of the mayor in Albany, New York in the 20s, and she was a gardener. And she noticed this uh, plant growing in somebody's uh, garden and asked for a cutting. She grew it on and realized it was a really good plant and an unusual plant. So she got it to a local uh, nursery that hybridized it, got it into commerce. And he named it for her, Betty Corning, and now it's grown all over the world. Wow. Well, lucky her. Have a plant, such a cool plant, named after (laughs) <laughs> what else is another? That sounds like a great one. Another one of my favorites is uh, also the easy prune type. It's called Gypsy Queen. It's oh, a very it. dark purple. It blooms a little later in the summer, more like August, so that when some of the other clematis are starting to um, go by, a Gypsy Queen comes on fresh. And it's just a beautiful it's a nice size. Dark. Yeah, it's yeah, it's probably a five or six inch flower. Oh, I love it, and it's very tall vines, so you can put it in a tree. It's great clematis. I used to have it going up uh, Westerland. Uh, uh, oh, that would be a beautiful. Rose. He's talking about an oh. orangey rose. That oh. would be a beautiful. Combination. I had to put a box of tissues out there because yeah. grown men burst oh into gosh. tears when they saw the combination. It was just I too would, much for you sure. Know? <laughs> And another one of mine is one of the uh, fiddly pruning ones, but it's such a beautiful blue. It's Fuji Musume, which is a Japanese hybrid. Um, I forgot. I know Fuji. uh, Fuji. Is Fuji mean mountain? I think. Well, there's Mount Fuji, the famous mountain. Right. Uh, anyway, it, this is the most beautiful blue. It's a sky blue with a light yellow center. It's It's just stunning. Sounds wonderful, to say the least. Uh, 
So that one's a spring bloomer. Yeah, fiddly pruning. Mm-hmm. Cool as can be. Well, I, boy, that's a lot of good ones. All right, listen, we're going to take a break in a minute. We'll have time for one or two phone calls when we get back at the end of the show. So if you want to give us a call, it's one 973 cairo one 973 Right back after this on 97.3 Cairo FM. You're listening to Gardening with Cisco on the all-new Cairo Radio Weekends. Okay, all right. We're in the last hour. I don't know where that time goes on this show. It, goes so it has gone by, yeah. Boy. All right. Well, Karen from Stanwood, welcome to the show. Hello. Thank you, thank you. My lifespan has started with Cecil Solly, and now you are leaving. We're going to miss you. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. I'll be somewhere out there. I don't know what I'm going to do, but I'll do something. (laughs) Well, it'll be a fun time, I'm sure. I have three three questions about my weeping pussy willow that is brand new, just planted it. I would like to know it is about five feet from a the drain of a downspout. Have I got that too close to the downspout? Is that too much water for a willow? I think well, it's oh, it's by the downspout. I five think that's feet. good. I think it's perfect. Yeah, they like water. You want a lot of water, so you you. I I thought you meant the sewer thing, and I was going to go watch out. But no, you're in <laughs> no, perfect no, shape, not, not Karen. That fertilizer, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and the other thing, thank you on that, and I want to know it's uh, it's beautiful, beautiful uh, limbs are reaching down about three inches from the ground. At what point do I can I cut those to keep them from dragging on the ground? As soon as they're done blooming, that's when you prune Thank those. You. Oh. Yep. Okay. You can prune and them up fertilizer. to whatever bud you want, whatever node. Okay. We call it lifting okay. up the skirt. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> what did you say? We call it lifting up the skirt, skirting it up. <laughs> that's what she oh, calls like it, that. not me. Oh, that's, that's, <laughs> that's beautiful. So it's, so it's ankle show? Yes, exactly. <laughs> uh, uh. <laughs> okay. Fertilizing. Uh, when? And what kind of fertilizer, or do I even need any? Well, it probably wouldn't hurt the fertilizer, especially if you're going to prune it so you can use the pussy willows and everything. So, But I wouldn't overdo it. So I think if it were me, I would probably use just a good organic uh, flower food would be perfect, I think. And you might okay. want to give it uh, some in the fall because that's sort of right before it's going to bloom. So you could do it spring oh. and fall. That is a great idea. Okay. Don't wait. Oh, thank you much, Lee. I'm sure enjoying it. It's so pretty. Oh, it's yummy. Oh, that is <laughs> oh, so good. fantastic. That is great. So I hope it does it's great so for you. And, and I planted it as a memorial to my friends losing her 21-year-old cat. Oh, oh man. Well, that's extra special. So that one, well, anytime it's having after- problems, you call, because we're not going to let anything happen to that no, tree. No, no, that willow's got to stay. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Thank you very much. Thank bye you, bye. Karen. Bye-bye. Okay, Melanda, we've got you on from Gig Harbor. Hi, welcome. Hello, Cisco. Hi. Um. I have a, a question about a lilac tree that a woodpecker or a 
of some sort has attacked it and has got these bands of <laughs> drilled holes going up and down the trunk and the limbs. Um, and now it's got shoots, tall, straight shoots coming out the side of these um, limbs or the, or the uh, trunk. Huh? What do I do with this? Well, okay, uh, we were both uh, smiling at each other because we know that's a sap sucker that's working right. your tree. Okay. <laughs> they're a big, they're a great big, pretty good-sized bird that's a woodpecker. Yeah. They they usually work their way up. Sometimes they go around the tree. And it's very holes. even. Yeah, you get a yeah. real neat pattern. And then uh, they I come know. back up. Artistic. Yeah, yes. they, they come back up and suck up the sap that's coming out. Uh-huh. And uh, a friend of mine told me just the other day, or a caller to the show said they saw um, hummingbirds getting the sap. Oh, getting the sap? Oh, that good. was quite oh, neat to yeah. learn. So, uh, Oh, sure. But, you know, uh, too much sap sucker on a not-too-big tree can be uh, not a good thing at all. It could kill your uh, tree. It, it could actually uh, um, girdle the bark. Yeah. So you might have it's to... forcing these... Straight shoots coming all the way up the the branches or the trunk to the branches, and these real thick straight shoots are coming up like it's I don't know like it's been I, over pruned. I think it's like getting it's girdled, isn't like it? It's uh, it's having trouble moving food and water because of uh, it's getting girdled, and so it's trying to survive by putting up sprouts on underneath. Oh right. yeah, yeah. This isn't good. I'm not sure if you're going to be able to save this or not. You're going to almost have to put a chicken wire thing around what the whole kind of, tree or something. What kind of tree something. is it? I've... It's a lilac. Oh, yeah, lilac. lilac. How, yeah. how, how tall is your lilac? Oh, it's tall. It's been there now for about 25 years. Oh, okay. Is it single trunked? Yeah. It has a single trunk? Uh, yes. Right. It's a single trunk that bees off, you know, to yeah. branches. You, yeah. You, Boy, I don't yeah. know. At some point, if it girdles it, I think you can cut it below where it's girdled, and all those sprouts will grow like mad. You and can, become a tree eventually. Yeah, and you can cut those back to make it branch out. So you may have to do that. I I don't think there's anything that's going to stop the birds out there. Yeah, no. I've never had any right. luck. Right, yeah. Not in my area, yeah, yeah for sure. Oh. And, they're, you know, some of the birds, are, I feed the birds, so it's kind of hard to stop. I know, and they're really pretty birds, too, but. Well, listen, I'm right. sorry I have to run, but keep me posted on that thing, all right? I'll send you a picture of it. Oh, cool as could be. Thank you. Bye. Yeah. Bye. You're welcome. Thanks a lot. Well, Laura Watson, it has been so fun having you it's on the show today. It's been fun being here. You it was are very the, exciting. You are the clematis woman of <laughs> earth here, you know. And uh, don't forget, her blog is on the front page of Cisco.com. Thanks again. Oh, Bye, everybody. Thanks, Blake. Bye. Bye, everybody.